This is News Talk 980 CKNW. You may or may not know that I am a nasty woman, but I bet you never knew just how nasty I can be. Well, I'm going to tell you just how bad I can be, especially in this secret society known as sex. You know the one where everyone's doing it and no one is talking about it except yours truly, of course, every Sunday night on the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW, the show where we educate everyone about sexual health how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. You know, this show is more than a sex show, but I am trying to to seduce you to listen to information about health, relationships, love, and your body, and whatever else comes to your mind. Because as you know, your brain is the largest sex organ. It's related to everything. Sex, that is. Good evening. I'm Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse in the field of sexual health, women's health expert, author of the book Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other, researcher, blogger, clinician, TED speaker, and your resource to help start that conversation, answer your questions, and help you discover new and exciting things about sex and health. I make no innuendos, no judgments, and certainly no apologies. Just fearless, straight-up talk about sex and health. Let's hope for you, it will be illuminating, educational, get you thinking in a little bit of a different way, and hopefully it'll be a little fun too. So please stay with me, put the kitties to bed. I would like to say there is an aspect of sexual health that is dark, and that is sexual abuse, unwanted sexual advances, pedophilia, and rape. Of course, for those of you who have been sexually abused or assaulted, you are never far from my heart. I wish you all the best on your healing journey. In this life, I keep you in my prayers, and of course, I was so saddened to hear of an abuse situation that allegedly occurred on a bus in Burnaby, where a the bus driver was actually fondled by a perpetrator. Uh, the perpetrator is in custody, uh, allegedly, this incident occurred, and um, but there was swift action on the part of the bus driver. She pushed his hand away. You may think that fondling somebody for what sounds to be a brief period of time would not have an impact on a woman. Let me tell you, you are wrong. That has a chance of post-traumatic stress disorder, fear, anxiety. You have, you cannot imagine what it potentially could provoke in somebody. What is helpful is the validation, and that is that this person who allegedly did this was swiftly arrested and is in custody, and that will be very helpful that somebody believed her goes a long way. So, of course, it's uh, very disheartening to hear stories like that. But we have so many stories like that. And a little bit later on in the program, we're going to hear briefly from Tracy Porteous, the executive director of Ending Violence Association, British Columbia. I spoke to her yesterday when Vancouver turned up. Good evening, Matt. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Yourself? I'm fine, thank you. So we had an amazing day yesterday at the Women's March on Washington, Vancouver. I'm blown away with what I saw worldwide. It was I've never in my life witnessed seven continents of people, men and women, protesting. Everybody came out. Yeah, children. Everybody. Everybody was welcome. You know, I have to say, I kept hearing the uh, estimates for Vancouver, and it was two to 3,000 women. And we got there early and had breakfast and were sitting in a window, and I saw one gentleman walk by with two signs, and I thought, Oh, you know, but this it was fantastic. It was the first picture that I took. And um, then five came, 20, 100, and then droves and droves and droves of people. 
uh, just came and just descended upon Jackpool Plaza. And it was really, I mean, it was so emotional. It was peaceful. It was a beautiful scene. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in the program about some of the reasons why Vancouver turned up yesterday. I was, I was so proud of Vancouver, I have to say, because sometimes, with all due respect, Vancouverites can be a little apathetic. Is it the American looking at the Canadians? I don't know. But and am I judging? Perhaps. But I'm not going to apologize for that. Um, well, we do have that reputation for just kind of jumping on the bandwagon in Vancouver. So. Yeah, but, but I don't think yesterday was a jumping on the bandwagon. But I think I was glad that Vancouver jumped on the bandwagon, in fact. Um, but sometimes people can think it's not that an important of an issue, but it's so important. And people don't even realize just how much they are controlled. Uh, especially women don't realize how much they are controlled by men. And I say that with intrepidation, but it is so true. It happens so often. We There are so many situations. I myself experience it constantly. As a woman in business, I can tell you a thousand stories of what happens. I, I don't know if men get this, and I'm sure they don't that people call them and want to hire them but not pay them. You've, you and I have talked about this before we start shows, and it even makes me realize because there were some comments that I made yesterday, and some of my, some of my friends said, you know what, that was really insensitive. Like, and I, you insensitive? I can't believe it. I know. That, well, the thing is, I was, <laughs> I was frustrated because, well, I'm thinking to myself, well, if all these people came out to vote, maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. And I took some of my close friends to to tell me that that's not the case at all. This isn't about who we're voting for. This is about um, empowering women and equality. And I, I, I feel ashamed. I might have missed the point a little bit. Well, it wasn't an anti-Trump rally. It was a pro-women uh, rally. It was about reproductive health rights, peace in the Middle East, you know, policy, access to education, health care, pay equality. Well, there was so much that I didn't understand. And like I said before the show started, I didn't realize that that now that because Trump's in power, women in the States are going to have to pay taxes on feminine products. Well, they've been paying taxes on those for a long time. There's no, there were so many inequities. You know, the, you, It would wrap around the world 17 times if we put the list on it as to how unfair the world is for women. And sometimes women don't even realize the, the control that they have over them. I spoke to a woman yesterday, and I was struck by this, and I could see she was heartbroken. It's a woman in influence in the city, and, and her husband did not want her to bring her daughter to the march. I mean, it was a peaceful mom's march, and and therefore she didn't. And it was such an experience. Her daughter's about 10 years old, and it would have been such an amazing experience for her. And, and you know, we pander to the male ego sometimes. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the program. I don't want to turn everybody off <laughs> right out of the gates. I want to turn you on. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, breastfeeding. That ought to do it. A lot of breast guys out there. Speaking about turning on, I think one of the f- my favorite photos that you took um, <laughs> was a gentleman. I'm hoping I can say this on air. Everyone's put their children to bed, right? Okay. This is your chance. Uh, so make, make women come first. Well, well, women should come first. Absolutely. Yeah, no. In every single aspect of life. But uh, tonight we're on the program, we're going to be talking with Dr. Anjali Malhotra at 815 about breastfeeding and the relationship to postpartum depression. That has been in the news of late. Of course, um, you know, we, it's such a topical subject, but it's some, sometimes these subjects, you know, they raise their, The awareness is raised when a tragedy happens, but we don't carry on the conversation. And I think this conversation needs to be carried on. It's an issue that that 
affects women the world over. Also going to be talking at 8.30. We're going to go a little bit more into how Vancouver turned out yesterday for the Women's March on Washington, Vancouver. And priapism. Oh, yes, put the kids to bed. Um, So you've probably seen commercials about priapism with all these football programs that are coming up in the next or in the past, and you'll see them more. They don't call it priapism. But anyway, stay with me and you'll learn what priapism is, guys. You're going to want to know. Also, at 9 o'clock tonight, we're going to be, I'm going to be joined by psychic coach and spiritual mentor, Maxine Friend. She joins me in the studio for the second hour. So we're going to be talking about how to get over past loves. And who doesn't have a past love they want to get over? Um, maybe you don't want to get over the past love. Anyway, maybe you should get over the past love. But anyway, we're going to be talking about that and more. Uh, also, the future of sex and how intimacy is transforming these days. And a little bit of a lighter subject a little bit later on. We're talking about uh, whether chicks dig beards or not and just how how far can you grow before we say no. And also, uh, you know, it's about sexuality and sexual health and your life and relationship. It's about self-care and mental health. And so I'm going to give you some suggestions on how to practice self-care when your mental health may not be as great as it could be, especially in this month of January. I want to mention that I'm going to be speaking at the birth fair on February 25th and 26th at the Cloverdale Agriplex. And uh, so come on out and we're talking all about pregnancy and postpartum and breastfeeding and relationships and the importance of sex after the kids come along, but it's going to be way more than that. Uh, so tickets are only $5. Uh, you can get them online on Eventbrite. So just go to Eventbrite and Google the birth fair or put in the birth fair. Uh, so, of course, listener discretion is advised. I've already warned you, put the kids to bed, grab a glass of wine and your lover and, uh, you know, let's go. So, uh you can give us a call, of course, anytime, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. The lines are open. I am Maureen McGrath. We are going to hit the boob when I come back. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Thanks for being with me tonight. It's always my pleasure to be here with you. Also, give me a call about any of the subjects we're talking about, any health questions you might have, any sexual health questions, any relationship issues, any breastfeeding questions you have. I actually uh, am a reproductive health nurse. I was a former he- uh, head nurse at uh, nurse manager at uh, one of the local hospitals in the maternal child program. And you wouldn't think that this story could possibly happen. When we think of breastfeeding, we think of a woman in a long white nightgown, sitting by a window, low lights, holding in a rocking chair, her beautiful newborn baby, her looking trim and thin and her hair done, and breastfeeding simply. But you know what? Breastfeeding is not that easy for a lot of women. You can get mastitis, cracked nipples, infection, engorgement. Uh, Your baby may not want to latch. Latching issues are very common. You can have the rosebud lips and the large areola. It can be a battle that you will never have experienced. Well, joining me on the line is women's health specialist, Dr. Anjali Malhotra, and she and I are going to talk about a very sad case and beyond uh, of Florence Lee Young, a young woman who experienced postpartum depression and whose life ended in an eventual tragic suicide. Her body washed up off of Bowen Island. And 
This happened a few months ago, and her husband penned a, a very heartfelt uh, post on Facebook urging women who are having challenges with breastfeeding to reach out and get the help, and also urging hospitals to stop putting so much pressure on women to exclusively breastfeed. And some of the messages that are seen in maternity wards and brochures and prenatal classes and the teachings at breastfeeding classes. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that with Dr. Anjali Malhotra, who's on the line with me now. Hello, Dr. Malhotra. Hi there, Maureen. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Oh, good. Now, you and I have talked about this uh, tragic situation before, and breastfeeding is is not easy for a lot of women and women. And let's talk about the pressure that society places on women to breastfeed. And that picture that I described of that perfect woman sitting in a rocking chair, which is not even advised for breastfeeding, you need a football hold and a particular pillow. Um, So why do we put so much pressure on women to breastfeed? And then when they do, we also put pressure on them. That's another subject. Oh, that's just it. And that, but that's really the whole subject. So, you know, we are saying to women, yes, of course we want you to breastfeed. But how far do we push that message? When does it become that the messaging trumps a woman's well-being? And when we look at this woman, this period of time in her life is one of the most vulnerable periods of time in her life. So any pressures that that woman's going to feel throughout her lifetime, which are going to be endless as soon as she becomes a mother, not only on herself, by herself, but by society as a whole, about every detail of her life, her marriage, her children, her partner, her relationship, whatever it is, or lack of, or whatever anyone wants to find, there's always these pressures. But this period of time in her postpartum time is so vulnerable and is such a special, precious time to protect women and provide generous and efficient help to this woman rather than putting any kind of pressure on her. And it's almost the societal habit of saying during pregnancy and postpartum that you have the free right to say something to this woman about a very personal experience in her life when it's quite honestly none of your business. Absolutely. And yet women, uh, I wrote a blog about this and on Fifty Shades of Pink, and I've had messages from women around the world uh, saying, you know, why don't you come over to Norway and talk to the breastfeeding Nazis over here? Why don't you, you know, I experienced this. I was shamed by a nurse when I went in crying, you know, spending the day in bed crying and sobbing. I couldn't feed my baby. And the nurse said, you didn't give your baby formula, did you? And so these responses that women give to women, that's one thing. And the second thing I want to talk about is the baby-friendly hospital initiatives that are in uh, thousands of, tens of thousands of hospitals around the world that, uh, you know, in promoting breast is best, yes, in many ways it can reduce allergies and eczema, risk of eczema, allergies, infection, those types of things. And it may even, even be related to cardiovascular disease and hypertension later in life. But also, um, you know, how far do we go, as you say, they're not, hospitals are not allowed, in order to receive the certification, they're not allowed to accept free formula from companies. But they then hide that formula. And I say, and I know that because I've worked in hospitals where the formula is hidden. And, and that, I think that associates a little bit of a shame. So the mother who is feeding her baby formula because she can't breastfeed for whatever reason, she has to go back to work, she's the sole breadwinner, she has mastitis 10 times and just can't take it anymore. Um, that shame of, of formula feeding. 
You know, and that shame is really the crux of the issue. No woman at any point in her life should feel shame for anything that she's doing as long as everybody's happy and healthy. There should never be that. Where is feminism within this? We would hope that feminism would encompass her having choice in what she wants to do. Potentially, there's no issue, and she just doesn't want to breastfeed. You know, that's her choice. It's difficult, though postpartum when they, there's this anxiety. So this can be, we hear it in the prenatal classes, and then the baby arrives, and the plan is to breastfeed after a, um, a planned a birth plan for the, that, that went awry as well, potentially, and then anxiety about breastfeeding. It's difficult to have that confidence when a, a mother is feeling anxious. It is, and that's where society has to step in. So when you know that someone is in a vulnerable position, like being postpartum, especially immediately postpartum, there are several things you can offer that woman. One is either saying nothing and just not passing judgment, particularly if you don't agree with what's happening, if everyone's happy and healthy, that's of course, or you can offer, you know, generous help with laundry or whatnot. You can offer all kinds of assistance to this person. But one thing you can truly do is also encourage her words of support rather than shame of any kind. It's really important to say to her, you know what, Mama, you got this. You know your child better than anyone else. You are in this unique position to help this child through this period of time together. Now, you're exhausted and you yourself maybe don't know your head from your toes and what can I do to help you through that? That's the kind of support people need. What they don't need is saying of any kind, whether you're a healthcare professional, whether you're a friend, whether you're an acquaintance, whether you're a total stranger, please don't pass judgment on these people and please don't shame them in this period of time. I've been there, you've been there. It's a very, very challenging time made far worse by the expectations you're putting on yourself already as a new mom, the guilt already that feels for some reason this tremendous weight on all new moms and society's pressures. Absolutely. And I want to, I, I'm going to ask you to stay on the line um, to, through the news because I want to talk about women who are suffering from postpartum depression and the difficulty that breast ke- breastfeeding can have on them and how it can, uh, what it potentially can lead to. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath. Thank you for staying with me. We are talking about the tragic suicide of Florence Lee Young, a woman who died uh, of postpartum depression, experienced postpartum depression or postnatal depression. Dr. Anjali Mahotra is on the line with me. We're talking about the impact that breastfeeding or challenges in breastfeeding may contribute to postnatal depression and how a woman feels. Postpartum or postnatal depression is a type of clinical depression which can affect both sexes. It is much more common in women, and for the intents and purposes of this uh, discussion, we are talking about women. Symptoms may include sadness, a decrease in energy, sleeping habits that have been disrupted, disordered eating patterns, a reduction in sexual desire, crying episodes, anxiety, irritability, not feeling great, having some physical symptoms... Um, you can have mild symptoms of postpartum depression. And when the symptoms, we do have that uh, hormonal day, day three after a baby is born, when a woman may feel blue, the postpartum blues. But when, when the other symptoms that I mentioned lasted long, last longer than two weeks, it is generally should be considered 
uh, investigated, looked into as postpartum depression. We don't know the causes of postpartum depression, but hormonal changes are hypothesized. Also, perfectionistic women are are at greater risk, um, allegedly. And, you know, a woman can become sleep-deprived and anxious about parenting and caring for her baby. She may not feel the attachment to her baby. She may realize this is supposed to be the happiest time of my life, and she's feeling a critical loss of control over her life and just an inexplicable anxiety. Uh, And also... The support from the partner and friends is, is vital. So Dr. Malhotra has stayed on the line to talk about this with me. Dr. Malhotra, are you still there? I am. So when a woman who is having, who is experiencing postpartum depression is experiencing difficulty with breastfeeding, what can that do to her? Oh, it's a huge hit to her confidence and her self-esteem and her feeling of being a good mom, which can really crush a woman and it can truly make her feel really unworthy and that she's really causing harm to this human being she loves so much, like she's a failure, especially when you talk about women who are really type A, perfectionist type of women who have been good at everything in their lives and all of a sudden they can't feed their own babies and make milk out of their own breasts. You know, that to them is like, what just happened here? And you think it's just devastating and crushing and and it truly is this personal feeling of failure. And what you what you don't want to have is a woman going into it thinking that, A, she's going to have this perfect pregnancy and delivery and birth, and then, of course, baby's going to latch on and she's going to have that picture-perfect image of breastfeeding. That's how it's all going to go. When that's incredibly rare, most people are going to need a hand with breastfeeding. It might take a little time to get going, but it might not happen at all. And it has to be, I think, reframed into... Let's try it out if it's right for you. If it's the right choice for you and works for you and your family, try it out. But really, fed is best. You want a fed baby. You want a happy, healthy mom. You want both people to be sleeping and energized at some point and getting back on their feet after a delivery and a pregnancy and sleep deprivation and all of the rest. Absolutely, because when a woman experiences postpartum depression and she then begins to have difficulty breastfeeding, like cracked nipples, sore nipples, difficulty latching, um, painful breasts, uh, the baby is unable, or the milk is unable to be expressed, she may have to start using breast pumps, uh, You and, and she's already got postpartum depression, this sense that, that she's not able to succeed with this, especially if she is a perfectionist at type A personality, then the oh, many women have expressed to me the hopelessness that exactly. they feel. Exactly. And that is the core of depression or triggers depression exactly. in women. And depression is, is so poorly understood as well because people just say, just get up, just get up and do it. Just oh, yeah. why, why can't you just go out and exercise for crying out loud? You've got these two ton breasts on you and they're, they're engorged with milk and they're cracked and you've got a fever and diarrhea. Now, come on, just get over it. Because but also that phrase of, that's new motherhood. You're supposed to be tired. You're supposed to feel like that. You know, that's what it is. We've been through it. You'll get through it too. Well, it might not be the case for that person, and it might be different for that person. And even if you did, maybe it shouldn't be like that. <laughs> you know, it's, 
it's one of those old adages where we're passing down potentially very dangerous messages to new moms. We certainly are. And according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, about one in eight mothers experience some symptoms of postpartum depression. And women are more at risk when they suffer from stress. Okay, so what woman isn't suffering from stress? Maybe she has a high-powered job and, you know, she has to extend her, um, you know, work time right leading up to the delivery. Many women work the, till the night before they deliver. Maybe a woman... You did. (laughs) Maybe a woman, yeah, had difficulty getting pregnant. They may have three or four children or a mother to multiples, twins or triplets, pregnancy complications, low social support. Perhaps they just experienced losing their own mother. There are so many things. So this is such a common issue. And, and, um, you know, let's, let's hope that Florence Leung did not leave us in vain and that this will raise awareness about a really important issue that I think we've been too silent about as women. And, you know, really adding to that in that, you know, we used to have a village and we used to have family and friends and communities that are available to us. And the more urbanized we have become and the more integrated into a tech society, we have less and less of that. And that isolation worsens the problem dramatically. You're already isolated in the middle of the night with your child, but to have that go on all day is very challenging. And that's why, again, Please support these ladies. When you see a new mom, cook her a meal, buy her a coffee, do something. And most women will not seek help uh, or receive treatment for postpartum depression, according to the National Coalition for Maternal Mental Health. And, and, and I also want to say many women struggle with breastfeeding. That doesn't necessarily mean you have postpartum depression or you're going to get it. But breastfeeding is not that easy. They should not have that beautiful picture on on the front of uh, what to expect when you're expecting, what not to expect when you're expecting. You will, you may never be able to put a shirt on for two months because your breasts or your nipples are so sore. Yeah, and that's the reality. It's a hard time. Like it's not as easy as people want to make it out to be. It's a beautiful time in many respects, but it's a very challenging time in a lot of ways. Again, the isolation, the fatigue, the difficulties in feeding, that you are just you're putting so much pressure on yourself to make this little human being happy and healthy. It's a very hard time in many ways. It is. And, and there's nothing worse than worrying that your baby isn't getting enough milk or your baby has been deemed failure to thrive, especially if oh. you're a healthcare professional. Uh, so there are so many uh, issues and, and uh, we need the reassurance and support and, and to support our sisters. Just another way we need to support our sisters to relieve their anxieties. Yes. Well, thank you, Dr. Malhotra, so much. So if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Yeah, gracefulvitalitycontact at gmail.com, and I can direct you either, it'll direct you to me or to my clinic, and one of us will help. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, always great information, Dr. Anjali Malhotra. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show. When I come back, things are going to be looking up a little bit for a long time. See you soon. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. As I said earlier in the program, feel free to call me 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell if you have any questions at all about sex, health, love, relationships, 
uh, or uh, if you want to contribute to the uh, Women's March on Washington, which happened yesterday when Vancouver really showed up. And and around the world, uh, women everywhere protested the uh, equality Feminism, which I want to recommend a great book that I think every single person should read. It is great. It is amazing. It is unbelievable. But this truly is. This is a phenomenal read. It literally took me 15 minutes. It's 48 pages long. It's called We Should All Be Feminists. Chimamanda Nyozi Adichie wrote it, and it's a it's a storytelling, and it describes exactly what feminism is. Often feminists are, and, and believe me, I'm a feminist, okay? And I have uh, more feminine clothing, shall I say, than, uh, than most people. More dresses and high heels than you can imagine. I shave my armpits. <laughs> and, uh, but there are some stereotypes about feminists that we're angry. And, and I'm certainly not angry if uh, you, this is me. If this is the first time you're listening in, believe me, what you hear is what you get. Uh, so there are a lot of myths and stereotypes about feminists, but we, we should all be feminists because feminists want equality. And, and that is so well described in this little book. And I believe it's in Norway that all adolescents are being given this book, uh, which I think is a great idea. And I, I would love to, um, to start that here in British Columbia. Uh, because I think it would change things. And it would. It talks about the male ego, and the male ego can be so fragile sometimes. I love men, don't get me wrong. But the male ego, I, I had an, an incident this week where uh, a man was short with a, a woman on our team. He was, you know, call it rude, perhaps. And 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 she said, well, I, I felt he was quite rude. And I said, you know, you, you need to understand the male ego. And, and this book actually simply explains the male ego. Men are expected to be strong and to be um, hard in some societies um, is the term that is used. And, and to have, you know, masculinity means they can do it all. They can handle it all. They, they can problem solve. They can take care. And, and so when we, in any way, when women in any way threaten that, uh, you know, men will get into the defend mode, into the defensive mode. And so if you understand that, that relationship between men and women and, and it, as it relates to being socialization uh, and how we are socialized, uh, you'll, and you'll understand a little bit better about feminists and why you too should be a feminist and why this book should be read by everybody. So it's uh, We Should All Be Feminist. Chimimanda Nyozi Adichie is the author, and uh, she's written a number of other books as well. But it's a great little read, 48 pages. I suggest you read it if you think something different, if you think those stereotypical ideas about uh, feminists. So yesterday, the world came out, Vancouver came out. I was so proud. I was delighted to see 15, 20,000 men, women, children, the LGBTQI community, everybody was out. Uh, and uh, But Ashley Judd, I think, did one of the best performances. Uh, can we uh, get that going, Matt? I am a nasty woman. I'm not as nasty as a man who looks like he bathes in Cheeto dust. A man whose words are a diss track to America. Electoral college sanctioned hate speech contaminating this national anthem. I'm not as nasty as Confederate flags being tattooed across my city. Maybe the South actually 
is going to rise again. Maybe for some, it never really fell. Blacks are still in shackles and graves just for being black. Slavery has been reinterpreted as the prison system in front of people who see melanin as animal skin. I am not as nasty as a swastika painted on a pride flag. And I didn't know devils could be resurrected, but I feel Hitler in these streets. A mustache traded for a toupee. Nazis renamed the cabinet electroconversion therapy, the new gas chamber shaming the gay out of America, turning rainbows into suicide notes. I am not as nasty as racism, fraud, conflict of interest, homophobia, sexual assault, transphobia, white supremacy, misogyny, ignorance, white privilege. I'm not as nasty as using little girls like Pokemon before their bodies have even developed. I am not as nasty as your own daughter being your favorite sex symbol. Like your wet dreams infused with your own genes. But yeah, I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. I'm not nasty like the combo of Trump and Pence being served up to me in my voting booth. I'm nasty like the battles my grandmothers fought to get me into that voting booth. I'm nasty like the fight for wage equality. Scarlett Johansson, why were the female actors paid less than half of what the male actors earned last year? See, even when we do go into higher paying jobs, our wages are still cut with blades sharpened by testosterone. Why is the work of a black woman and a Hispanic woman worth only 63 and 54 cents of a white man's privileged daughter. This is not a feminist myth. This is inequality. So we are not here to be debunked. We are here to be respected. We are here to be nasty. And I couldn't agree with you more. I am one nasty woman myself. I have Jasmine on the line. Hello, Jasmine. Hi, hi Maureen. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Love the show. Thank uh, you. I just, to, I just wanted to make a comment. Um, I'm transgendered, and I just wanted to make a comment about um, when men redeem themselves through violence. Um, you know, you have what's kind of going on right now in this world. They're redeeming themselves, yes, absolutely, through violence. You know, uh, it makes for that uh, might equals right kind of a world, and uh, it, it objectifies women. Absolutely, and they're doing it for their peers, and they're thinking, I think the world is showing them that uh, that we're not going to take that anymore. And, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm just so proud of the whole uh, sacred feminine, and I think that, you know, um, it's that little dot, on the other side of the uh, of the yin and yang, that that encompasses that other 
aspect of the duality in each and every one of us. We all, uh, everybody has that sacred feminine in them. And and here's to all the women that that came out to like that that sort of and you uh, you're to write the world. You are absolutely right. Everybody has that sacred feminine inside of them, and I urge you to bring out that nasty sacred feminine. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. You know, I was struck yesterday as well. I mean, I have to say I loved Ashley Judd's speech on uh, the Washington Mall, but I was struck also by so many women that I spoke to yesterday. Um, But so many women were afraid to go on and have their opinions recorded. And they were afraid that they were going to say the wrong thing. They were, when they did say, uh, many women refused. I identified who I was and, and what the purpose was. And they were, they were nervous. They were afraid. They didn't want to say. And, uh, and then after those who did record, and we'll maybe listen to a few of those in the second half of the program, they afterwards said to me, was that okay? Was that all right? And I said, of course it was all right. Those are your feelings. That's why you're here. Women need to find their voices. Women also need to get out and vote. I don't care who you vote for. Just get out and vote because your grandmothers, your ancestors before you were raped, were jailed, were bloodied, were killed for the right to vote. It is a very vital aspect of life and nothing will change for us feminists, and hopefully we get a few more after this program, uh, if we do not get out there and vote and and, uh, find our voices. Uh, So stay with me for the second hour. We have lots of uh, predictions happening uh, as the psychic healer, life coach, and spiritual coach joins me, Maxine Friend, and lots more. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.